Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Well, what's on your mind, Annie? Let's hear you first. What are you thinking about? Well, you know, we were kind of just about to start talking about your trip. You just yes. took a trip. So last time we talked, you brought up this whole idea of the the Let's Go Brandon movement. I didn't know it, didn't, didn't know anything about it, but we drove down to, to Orlando and I started seeing it everywhere. Um, you know, what, hats, t-shirts, everything. Yeah, it was, it was, mm-hmm. and it was, there wasn't anything added to it. Uh, and, and for those of you who didn't hear the last, the last podcast, you know, the whole let's go Brandon was code word for expletive, <laughs> expletive <laughs> Joe, Joe Biden, Biden. Right. And, and we were just talking about how that's not helping anything. Um, and it was what was interesting is kind of that, you know, I think both sides are doing this kind of virtue signaling where if I didn't know about this movement, right, but then the insiders do know about this movement and both sides are kind of virtue signaling, like, look at I get it because I got this. And maybe another side says, look at this. That, that was something that also that I saw a lot. We we're at Universal is everybody had on their shirt their agenda like you know there it was just like on their shirt would show would you know like <laughs> i'm this i'm that i'm for this i'm not for that and like everything had to be like i just want to go look at harry potter world or whatever and everybody seemed to be um you know putting their political agenda out there on their shirt the let's go brandon stuff and then other stuff from the left and i just was like why do we feel this need to uh to project all that stuff. So I don't know if that's something that you guys have any ideas on or why we're doing that, but doesn't it seem like that? I don't know. It, it mm-hmm. did, especially in a very public way in that. And when you know, I saw so many people and it was packed. So. See, I was just thinking this is brilliant. Like the people who sell bumper stickers. Oh yeah. Cause it's almost like a competition for like who can have like the more provocative bumper sticker, but it's like the people that buy bumper stickers are already strongly opinionated people. It's a genius business, you know? Yes. And you can tell a lot about people by their bumper stickers. Um, <laughs> did I send you that picture or no? Which one? It was of, of a bump, uh, a car I had seen mm-hmm. that was just decked out in bumper stickers. I'm like, how many Dave Matthews band <laughs> stickers do you need on your car? <laughs> um, so yeah, I found, I thought there was a comedic bit in there somewhere, you know, but, um, why is Dave Matthews Band the sticker one? Like out of you know, all the, the different dancer, bands, the, yeah. yeah. Why yeah, is that? Why if you're if you, it's that so, that has its own um like cult. subculture. Yes, you know, like yeah. But are those people as bad as the people that will write how many miles they've run on a given? Oh, day that guy had that on one the too. Back <laughs> of the car. That Dave Matthews guy had one too. How many of our listeners have we already alienated in the first five minutes? I don't minutes? care. <laughs> I was just thinking that, too. Beef. I wanted to call out another set of bumper stickers I saw, and I thought, oh, boy, I better not. I'll tell you guys later. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to be running everywhere, why put it on your car? Like, Boom. Why don't put it on your shoes and start running and get off the road? There How about that? See? You know? uh, my favorite is the 0.0. Yes. It says I don't run. Yes. I think I I want to do that too. <laughs> Maybe we all I mean I think we all are doing that to just kind of prove our value or our worth or whatever and yeah. and I think the less 
secure I am, the more I feel like I need to tell people what I'm mm. doing and tell people where I'm at. And, and uh, it is kind of, you know, even in the early Christian church, uh, we found very early on there were they, this fish symbol in the first century, they were using this as kind of like, hey, we're part of this group. If you, you look for this fish and we'll know where to kind of meet up. Um, and so I think we've been doing this for a long time, uh, but it, it is just, uh, it can get suffocating when um, it's hard to even start a conversation because they've told you everything that you right. need to know about them right. already. And right. how do you even start a conversation with somebody that aren't just people anymore? Yeah. I was thinking what you just said about um, like how insecure you are. That's that seems to me how people will treat their relationships on Facebook. It's like the more we post about how much we go out to dinner, the more I just sit there, I'm like, yeah, they're not going to make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's yeah, like, why don't, it's like if you can't share that moment with some with like the one person, you got to go share it with everybody else because it's not good enough. You know, you got to yeah. make sure everybody else knows you're having such a good time. Yeah, I don't know. Now, no, now we good. are recording this after Thanksgiving. We we weren't with family and and but but I know more more and more people are are it's getting division in family right over mm-hmm. some of these issues, and so that I think now there's going to have to be like how do you we didn't even talk about this how do you uh, navigate family events because we are continuing to project these things and it's not just about the family anymore it's about these other uh, agendas. It's just, it's really going to keep division. It's really going to be hard to keep moving forward and to do the, have these traditions, right? Right. Yeah. So why wear, you know, we shouldn't wear your let's go Brandon t-shirt to Christmas this year. I mean, <laughs> what's yeah. the point? That's my thing. It's right. Like, who are you? Like, who is this versus what you're trying to, obviously you're trying to upset somebody like you're trying to. Yeah. Upset some people. And then the other people you're saying, Look, we get it. You yeah, know, yeah, and right. that's what I guess yeah. I mean by virtue signaling, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, but I, I don't think it's changed anybody's mind, right? It's not helping uh, no. create a conversation. If you really feel like one president or another president is causing a problem, like how can we have a talk about that and convince me that this is the right way or wrong way to go? Your shirt or whatever is not going to convince me, right? Yeah. I just I just try to like change the topic or something. So it's like yeah, we're not going to go anywhere with this anyway. And I don't think, not saying like you could never wear anything political. I just feel like that overt, uh, this is, I'm trying to say a swear word without saying something yeah. right, very, right. that's when it really just goes to the other end. If, if you're on one side or the other and you have a bumper sticker or whatever, okay. But that is, that's when it goes too far. I'm really glad you, you did bring that up last time. Yeah. But I think like, you know, I'm wearing a buck shirt today. Mm. It's one of my new favorite shirts. Super comfortable. So like. In a way, you know, like we kind of all do that when we wear, right. you know, a sports team, you know, supporting or or even a brand or mm-hmm. we should all just walk around in gray T-shirts. I guess that's the thing. Like it's mm-hmm. when it when does it become a <laughs> as he's wearing a gray shirt. Yeah. yeah. But is sports going to cause a huge division? I guess that's what's so great about sports is that like you can kind of razz each other, but I'm not seeing it, you know, keeping people that having a Thanksgiving right, dinner together, right. right? And you probably saw a lot of the Harry Potter houses, um, people wearing their Gryffindor t-shirts. Oh yeah, that was there. fun. <laughs> and I guess that was what was so frustrating is like, that's what I wouldn't mind seeing the kind of the fun, 
I'm part of this house. Let's do this. But then when there was so many of these other agendas there, I'm like, that's not why we're here. You know, wear your Harry Potter thing. That's why we all came together (laughs) to this place, right? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. That's my little soapbox. You know, that's good. That's good. Anything else on that? I don't um, think so. No, don't just anything. everybody shut up and, and calm down. That's all I got to say. And I guess also <laughs> let me say, this is a podcast, so we're just talking off the cuff here, right? Don't get too offended either, right? <laughs> right, That's the other right, thought too. right. The, what I did want to talk about uh, is I read an article last week, a uh, pretty provocative title. It was called Why Psychiatry Needs to Get Right with God. And it was written by uh, a psychologist, and he was looking at, statistics, and he looked at a Gallup poll from last year, December, and it said, obviously, that, that, that you know, mental health crisis was r- rising, and we know all the reasons why for that, the pandemic and the social unrest and all those things. But what was surprising was in this Gallup poll that the only group that seemed to not have a severe decrease in mental health were the people who attended worship service, religious services, on a weekly basis. Uh, And so that led the psychologist to say, like, why are we not almost prescribing religious activity or gathering together if that's the only demographic that seems to be the only thing that allowed people to get through the pandemic? All the other categories, you know, um, that that they put people in, uh, they weren't seeing any. They all had significant decline in mental health. They all uh, were really uh, struggling uh, you know, there was a, a rise in suicide, a rise in alcoholism, a rise in, you know, every other depression, anxiety, uh, anything else that you can kind of categorize. And then he kind of said, well, because psychiatry, the father of psychiatry is Freud, and Freud uh, saw faith as a mass delusion. And so if you come out of that in your training and you're trying to help people mentally, you might avoid talking about faith, but people are actually pretty open to it, according to this article. So there's a couple of things I, would, I wanted to read and then hear your response. He said this. Uh, this is from, uh, from Scientific American, uh, is the name of the magazine, uh, and the title of the, the magazine, or the article is Why Psychiatry Need, Needs to Get Right with God, and the author is David Rosemarin. Rose uh, he's a psychologist. He says this. In the past year, American health sank to the lowest point in history. Well, and you go in the details as as long as they've been recording it. So that that only goes back like 20 years according to this study. But incidents of mental disorders increased by 50% compared with before the pandemic. Alcohol and other substance abuse surged and young adults were more than twice as likely to seriously consider suicide than they were in 2018. Yet the only group to see improvements in mental health during the past year were those who attended religious services, at least weekly, virtually, or in person. And then he said, it's no wonder that nearly 60% um, of psychiatric patients want to discuss spirituality in the context of their treatment, yet we rarely provide such opportunities, including himself. And this is his idea that where it comes from, what like I mentioned. Since Sigmund Freud's characterization of religion as a mass delusion nearly 100 years ago, Mental health professionals and scientists have eschewed uh, the spiritual realm. Current efforts to flatten the COVID-19 mental health curve have been almost entirely secular, and it's not working. So I just wanted to get your perspective on that, on uh, how much... uh, how much faith plays into overcoming some of these challenges, uh, maybe just thoughts on, on uh, 
how many people are maybe going to a therapist instead of their pastor, as in the past, a, a couple of generations ago, if they were going through a mental health, they would just say, you know, I'm really struggling spiritually, emotionally, I'm going to go talk to my pastor or my priest. Uh, now they're going to their psychiatrist, who, which is great. I mean, I've, I've gone, uh, spoken to, to therapists over the years and been very helpful, um, but the majority of them are secular, and they will kind of push you away from the Christian faith. But the data, the science, is showing that it's the Christian faith or attending religious services that seems to be the one indicator of seeing some positive mental change. So respond to any of those things. What do you guys think? Well, it's a lot. It's a lot <laughs> yeah. to chew on. Is the is the researcher a Christian? I don't—I maybe— you know, m- most likely probably is. He's a psychologist, uh, and he's trying to, bre- uh, but he's speaking from a, a psychologist's perspective. Uh, he doesn't really bring in his, whether or not he is a Christian faith. He's just kind of, look. let's look at the data. And then he's he's uh, referencing this Gallup poll, which is a, a, a secular polling um, agency that, that they said this was the one thing that was yeah. different. Hmm. My my gut reaction is to be like really suspicious of that finding. Sure, you know, because it, it seems very convenient. I guess that's what the 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 Gallup poll. Uh, he's he's feeding off that Gallup poll right. that that is. They were just asking those questions. Now I think it's only a twenty year study of of people's mental health, uh, and so that isn't a lot of data. It's not that long of, of, of looking at it. But I did think at least brought up, um, you know, sometimes we separate my mental struggles. You know, I'm going through something or, or somebody does something really crazy. You know, uh, we're, we're probably going to keep talking about this. You know, recently, we've had this, uh, this incident and in, in, in tragedy in Waukesha, right, where a guy barrels over all these people in the parade. And, you know, a lot of times we jump to what was his mental problem and we don't want to talk about the spiritual evil, right? The, the reality of evil. Or when somebody has uh, any other kind of emotional, mental challenges, we, we kind of just, what kind of medication do they need? What kind of treatment do they need? And we don't talk about what is the spiritual aspect of this. And I think this psychiatrist is bringing up like, let's bring that back into the conversation. Not, not that we can't also talk about some of these other things, but I feel like we've gone... Maybe in the Salem witch trial days, we we talked everything was yeah. about demons and everything was about your you know everything was about uh, the spiritual problems, and now I think we've gone over the other extreme. Well, everything's a mental disorder. Everything is uh, you know bad upbringing or a challenging situation or whatever, and we're not talking about how much your faith actually plays into how you act and how you overcome tragedy and how you look at really tough things. So. So Matt, you don't you're skeptical of these findings. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, it <clears throat> it seems like it seems like something that a Christian researcher would want to be true. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and so then they would just maybe skew the data this is my inner skeptic no and i want to go back and like read the study myself but the gallup i mean the gallup is a like not a christian necessarily a christian no they're the ones who you know run the also the 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 strength finders that we've talked about and and you know and they they 
Strength Finders was like a, done by a Christian person, and when Gallup took it over, they took out all of the Christian aspects of it because they mm-hmm. they they put put themselves out there as a secular organization. Sure, and they're you know a reputable, you know I think right up there with Pew Research and some of those other research companies uh, that are just looking at the data and asking the question. Um, yeah, so I I appreciate that. Um, maybe just. Uh, Another thing that 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 is brought up in the article is that during the pandemic, uh, at the University of Copenhagen, um, they examined Google searches and uh, for the word prayer, and prayer had come up in ninety five countries, uh, and it hit an all time high during um, March twenty twenty, searching mm. for prayer. So mm. that's just again Google search, looking at sure. what what people are searching, and their praying so i think i'm getting more you know as i'm counseling people as a pastor you know i read a lot on psychology and, and mental health and i i've uh and, I, and i've used different techniques of, of mindfulness practices and things like that but i'm also i mean you'd think i'd be doing this naturally but as a pastor thinking more about all right where are you at spiritually what is your identity uh what is your sense of hope? What, what do you think is the story of history? And because um, I think, and, and I've, I've talked to Christian counselors who are in the secular sp- field. They're 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 secular count or they're doing secular counseling, but they're Christians. And it's interesting that so many of them say like, "Good counseling lines up with Christianity. We just can't say it." You know that you have a healthy identity, that you have hope for the future. You know that that you're not catastrophizing all of your your sins or your the things you've done wrong. So it's good Christian practice. They've just taken Christ out of it. I mm-hmm. think in many ways. So. And yeah, and I don't I don't find this hard to believe because I think about you know my own personal faith and how it's it helps people to cope with things and mm-hmm. you know it's reassuring and it's comforting and it's you know so I don't really find this to be far fetched. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe the author is is really emphasizing one aspect. I mean, he is trying to push for a type of counseling service that it's called spirit spiritual psychotherapy for inpatient residential and extensive treatment. So he is pushing for a, a type of more integrated approach. But if you would just discount the article and look at the research, I think that's where we could kind of respond to it. And I, I do think it's true. I mean, I think the less we have, the more we've kind of kicked God out of, out of our lives, uh, the more it's all up to us. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and mm-hmm. who can control this? Mm-hmm. Uh, who can control the pandemic? Who's got all the right information? I mean, it's just so overwhelming. Uh, what's going to happen tomorrow? But yet, if you have a, the, a Christian view of history, of, of that we've been here before and God has gotten us through this and God's got a greater plan. And then you're also not alone. You have a community of believers that, that, that is encouraging you. How is that not going to give you some kind of resilience that you wouldn't have if you were by yourself? And uh, I, I know somebody who's kind of connected to our family. He's a, he's an atheist and he is really interesting. Um, comes to some family gatherings and just, this person would say things like, uh, I look at what you have. I, I don't believe any of it, but I, I appreciate that you guys gather for 
these celebrations of Christ's birth and his death and his resurrection. I, I don't I don't have this in my life. And that was an interesting thing that, you know, he mm-hmm. said, I don't believe in any of it, but I see the power in, in, in this gathering around these big events. And so that was interesting mm-hmm. you know, to, to hear that. Yeah. I want to touch base on something you said, because um, I was thinking about it. And I, I do think, yeah, because, um, because we believe that God is orchestrating everything and, and whatnot, like we, we don't have to hold, we don't have to be responsible for, you know, these things. But I, I wanted to kind of go on a tangent and say, I think we need to be cautious that we don't become apathetic to things. Mm. So like, um, you know, God's got it taken care of. So we don't have to worry about social reform or feeding the hungry or, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's something that as Christians, you know, I know, I know a lot of people who are not of the Christian faith who really, I mean, do a lot of good deeds, you know, um, they're out there advocating for Mm -hmm. mental health and they're out there, you know, for social reform and, and whatnot. And so I think we have to be still be, um, even though we, you know, we believe that this is not our ultimate mm-hmm. destination, our ultimate home, we still are responsible, I think, to try to take care of what's going on and help other people and whatnot. And we shouldn't become apathetic to it just because we know that God has it under control. It doesn't right. mean that we shouldn't right. that's so good. do stuff. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, so that's, articulate. No, that's good. No, do stuff, right? Do something. Do stuff. Do good stuff. I think that is so good. I, I do. I mean, as a Christian, um, you, I, I would hope that Christians are are doing things for their neighbor and helping people. But so often, those who have no Christian background or or don't believe it or whatever um, are outdoing Christians, right? Yes. And and, and um, so that that is something to kind of a gut check, right? Like, do we actually put our faith into practice? I think the cool thing is, is that the way the Bible begins is it's a partnership with God in the sense of he creates human beings. And then he says, now you rule over the earth. This is in the first chapter of the Bible. Uh, be, you know, be fruitful, and multiply, rule over the earth and, and, and take care of it and subdue it. And, and, and so God has given us incredible responsibility to partner with him to take care of each other and take care of this planet and take care of this world. And then he's coming back again to restore it, to make this world new. So this is our home and it's going to be made new. And I think Christians uh, sometimes have this platonic idea that, oh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Can't wait for heaven. We're going to float up on the sky right, somewhere. Right. And we need to see that God made this world and he's called us to take care of this the world. The environment, so, the people, yeah, the yeah. everything, you know? Yeah. yeah, so I think that's really... And, you know, back to the... that there, There is a tension there, though, right? So with the pandemic, how much do you you know, take care of yourself and use the different precautions and, and look for healthy solutions or whatever the solutions you think are. The real is we don't know what they are. The solutions, you know, there's another variant that has just come out as we speak, right? And so I think this has been just a humbling thing for everybody because nobody knows the, the answer to this. We think we know the answers, but n- nobody seems to know the answers. And on one hand, you know, Christians can say, well, it's all in God's hand, so I'm not going to keep pursuing answers. And I don't think that's a good approach. You know, God has called us to be active, pursue answers, try to find the best way to eradicate this and, 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 and get people as healthy as possible. Um, but also there is that tension of, 
and yet even God is going to somehow be involved in using things uh, for the furthering of his kingdom. And just and the only evidence I have of that is the cross, where you look at the cross and God is on a cross and how could this be good? Um, and yet he's using the cross to save us and yet it was horrible, wicked situations and, and lying that put him up there. So that's how it seems to be reconciled is in the cross. So what do you think, Matt? Or sorry. Well, I was thinking, I think... Uh if if you take the perspective that you are just maybe you know you're if you're just passing through this yeah. life mm-hmm. you know if you're on a journey to somewhere far far more important that takes all the pressure off of you mm-hmm. right because you know y- your walk is really already done by Jesus mm-hmm. so because you don't have to focus so much on on the you know the place you're going to you have so much more freedom to help other people along the way whereas people who don't know what that final destination is they think that their whole journey is right here and now and they put all their effort into that and that's got to put the, you know then the, all the pressures on you mm-hmm. you know so i think it's striking that balance of saying i am free to help because i don't have to stress about any of this stuff right, because i right. know what's going to happen in the end yeah. right that's good I also think the importance of helping in hidden ways. You know, I think sometimes Christians and non-Christians will help in a way that's with lots of fanfare. Again, that virtue signal, like, look at what I'm doing for these, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Pick your cause. Um, what are you doing in secret? You know, what is actually mm-hmm. your heartbeat? Uh, are you doing this out of love or are you doing this because you want everyone to think you're you're so great and I, that's the tension of every every human heart right mm-hmm. so I, I just to kind of sum up in this article i just would encourage people don't discount your faith in your emotional health uh i think that's my only point is that some so we we've we've put it in these these boxes of I do this for my physical health. I do this for my mental health. And maybe I have this spiritual component over there. I'll go to church or something. Maybe they're all together. If I'm not, mm-hmm. if I'm not taking care of my physical mm-hmm. self, if I'm not taking care of my thought process and I, I don't have a walk with Jesus and with the community of believers, like they're all going to affect each other. I, you know, I've heard that we're like a three legged stool. And if you take one of those legs out, we're going to fall. So mm-hmm. I would just encourage people don't discount that. And I think there's a big help there. So that's yeah. good. Matt, you wanted to talk about something. Let's hear the topic sure. that you want to talk about. Um, so I'll start with, because I was thinking of the calling of pastors. And mm-hmm. so oh, dear. This question, oh, I'm glad you say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, this boy. question, I guess, is probably more for Ben, because you have more experience, but Annie, you can chime I'm gonna in, too. i get kicked out. <laughs> so, like... My, I don't know. So I, this has never really bothered me. Like w- our family moved when I was like five or something. And then I basically grew up in one house. Your dad is a pastor. My dad is anybody? a pastor. Yeah. yeah. And he, so he gets, he's gotten calls, you know, every, once every couple years or something. And I never even thought about him. It was just like, why would we move? Mm-hmm. I like it here. Why would we move? You yeah. know? So, um, <clears throat> But it, I've heard other people my age, other people whose parents are pastors too, um, and they don't they don't like it or they 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 str- I would say, I should say they struggle with it. I think it you know it's like 
it's either putting you know it's like putting a lot of pressure on on this call mm-hmm. you know which is ultimately executed by a congregation of human beings yeah right or you know so my my first question is have you ever had have you ever talked to a pastor that regrets not taking a call or regrets taking a call i think all the time uh it's so there is different systems right so the catholic church the bishop will just kind of every few years the bishop will send the priest to another parish Mm -hmm. so um, then there's other church bodies who will have like a search committee and they'll come and they'll um, come watch you preach kind of in secret. Then they'll come up and approach you and say, you know, would you want to be our pastor? And then they'll have you kind of like guest preach at that church. Poaching? Secret, yeah. It's secret, like, so, shoppers. secret shoppers. Yeah. So uh, then there's, you know, kind of like the pastor sometimes i've heard of this other uh, like non-denominational groups will kind of like apply for it like i'm not things aren't going here well here can i they'd apply for at another church or or try to start their own church and then in our denomination in our kind of structure um you graduate at seminary and then you and that day they read off where you're called to go and i was Mm -hmm. i read off it read off orlando florida i mean this has been one of the biggest challenges for me uh, you know, we going back down to Florida for this trip, I uh, went back to the same city that I was my original call. And it's, it's so hard. It's so hard because um, there's so many good things here. But then you have this, like, I was devoted to these people and now I'm devoted to these people. And it's very confusing. It's very hard. Um, but I've also heard a lot of blessings. You know, sometimes uh, a church needs a change. Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes the person needs a change, you know, uh, sometimes they probably should have stayed through a really hard time to help weather a storm, but they were going through a really hard time and they, Mm -hmm. they left, you know, and I can see some of those things in my, my life as well. So it's really hard. I don't know a better system because all of them have flaws, the poaching, the wanting to be hired, uh, you know, what it is. yeah, all that, all that kind of thing. You know, I guess one thing that, that I maybe push back, I wrote my senior thesis on this at, at seminary was sometimes the hyper spiritualizing of it. Like mm-hmm. the Holy spirit mm-hmm. has called me to this next place yeah. so that it kind of ends the conversation when yeah. you say that, but, and but it I don't transfers the blame. Right. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> Scapegoat. Yeah. So it, but, but, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would also say the Holy Spirit's called all of us, right? The Holy right. Spirit's called you to, to, to be here at, as tech director and you music director and to live in this place. Cause that's what, how Paul talks about. I think that's Acts 17 where he's talking uh, to the Athenians and he says, you know, God has chosen the, the places that we are in so that somehow we would seek out and find him. So God has chosen all these. So we're all called in some way. Uh, we talk a lot about the divine call. I think the only verse that I know of in the Bible about that is Acts twenty twenty eight, where Paul says the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. But that's just one verse. So that's that's yeah, yeah. I, I, attention. But you you ready to go off on it, Annie? We are yes. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I I don't even know where to start. Um, because I, I I do. I think we're all put in positions in jobs, not even just church jobs. Like we're all where we're supposed to be. I mean. Yeah. that's a divine call. Like every call, every mm-hmm. job is a divine call. If you really right. want to say that, 
And I just don't like how disruptive it is to a pastor and to his family to get a call every six months or whatever yeah. the what's the waiting yeah. period? Yeah, I mean, they're depends on how desperate they are. Well, that's and right now to me, it's it reeks of desperation. Please don't kick me out of church now. Okay? <laughs> it reeks of desperation. It's like almost like it's not even it's not even what it to me. My understanding is the its original purpose was to kind of maybe make a pastor in a church kind of when you get a call you start to kind of assess things like where where am i going to be doing the yeah. best for god's kingdom yeah. you know and you really start to think about you know the congregation and are you are you helpful are you yeah. you know is the congregation responsive to me and and that i think is a good thing right cuz i think you do need to reassess but it, i think it's probably taxing on families yeah. past you know pastor families um and i think that now with these pastors getting called every six months, now you're shaking up the family every six months. Mm -hmm. You're shaking up the congregation every six months yeah. and literally almost to the day. As soon as that waiting period expires, new call, yeah. new call. Yep. And it seems desperate to me and I don't like it. I don't think it's, it's original purpose is being fulfilled anymore. But if they, but it, you need a pastor. That's the thing. Like if you well, need then a pastor, we have, you maybe, maybe calling. we have a church overage and a, not a pastor shortage. Well, I think, feisty i like it so i i think this also comes to uh some other issues that we're struggling with across the christian church not just in our church body is um lots of first of all not enough pastors if you if they were to fill all that then the other issue is um could churches combine right um uh, there's a we have a lot of ministry um, that maybe in the 1990s was kind of the heyday of, of uh, Christian culture uh, and, and church sizes in, across denominations in the United States, and now that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, so are we trying to run ministries um, that were really big in the 1990s and they're not so big anymore. And we think we need more pastors than we do. That's, I think that's going on. Uh, also then there's a question of training, you know, that's another tension in our church body. We require eight years of training. Um, and so you get really great, I think training, trained pastors who know, uh, Greek and Hebrew, but also how many people can put themselves through this, especially me. me there's probably a lot of second career guys who would be ready and willing to jump into the ministry in their forties and fifties, but they're not ready to do eight years of school. Yeah. So we've talked there there's, so there's different solutions uh, that, that, that have been proposed, but uh, it's a, yeah, it's a problem. I don't know what the answer is. I just think like the call in general, like, you know, it's like the Holy spirit has led me to do this or that. And it's like, well, on some level, like Annie was saying, like, like I would love a call, to you know it's like oh you're gonna get a call to go be like a software engineer it's like yeah, i think the holy spirit is like <laughs> i'd think about it more you know and then i'd feel more comfortable making yeah. the choice because i'm like yeah. you know okay like god is playing a hand in this not like i applied for it <laughs> you yeah. know yeah but and, or or on some level like no one should do. get a call yeah you oh, know yeah, right you know and some theologians and pastors have kind of told people to temper some of that I think in general, though, that's what can be really maybe challenging or frustrating um, when any of us as Christians pull out that God told me to do this 
yeah. card. You, you know, yeah. you just have to be careful with any of that. Like, okay, um, maybe, uh, maybe not, right? I think the hardest part for me with all of this, uh, and you're touching on some uh, soft skin still there, is like... <laughs> uh, What, yeah, how do you tell that story of, you could either tell it one way, God called me, and then you, you, you feel fine for yourself, um, but then the congregations are, are struggling or suffering, right? And, and you, you, they just have to suck it up. Um, I think also it, it can keep us sometimes um, from having courage in a challenging situation because there's always a, an exit route right? There's a way out. And, uh, and, and so sometimes the congregations and sometimes the pastors need to stick out challenging things. But so these are all really hard things to bring up, but just, you know, just your point, that, that's what I wrote my senior thesis. Like, um, my big point was, it's not so much anymore, but it used to be, um, the less we are involved in the call process, the more the Holy Spirit is involved. So we would get like a, a church would get a, a list of names, have no idea what there was going on in their situation, and you start calling them. And the, the idea was, the less we knew about that person, the more the Holy Spirit was involved. Mm. And my point in in my paper was, well, we believe the Holy Spirit is involved in the writing of God's word. But that doesn't mean that the less I prepare my sermon, the right. more the Holy Spirit is involved, <laughs> right? And so we should be able to have some conversation. And, and I think more of that's happening now where people are calling, I'm on the phone, and not just the divine call, but like calling on the phone saying, you know, we're looking to call. Is this even a good time to disrupt your family right now? Would you even want to be interested in? And, and I think that can kind of be a healthy thing because maybe they're going through a really difficult thing and, and you're saying, don't even touch me right now. I can't. I can't do this to my family. I can't do this congregation. I think that can be a healthy conversation. Well, and it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier about kind of taking a hands-off approach, let the Holy Spirit take care of it, let God take care of it versus, you know, taking some initiative because we're, you know, we're kind of responsible to do that, to do some of this research on a pastor. Is this going to be a good fit? And then let, you know, I don't know. It's challenging. And I, and I think, I don't, again, I don't know an, a better system. I do think that phone call beforehand, now I, I don't know how many people in our church body would agree with that, but I think that can be helpful to kind of stop the d- disruption. The other thing that I think can be kind of toxic, um, what's helpful about this is you're supposed to wait to be called. Mm-hmm. I, I think it can be toxic sometimes and we're really um, inc- discouraged to do any of this kind of stuff, to call a church and like, hey, I heard you had a great ministry over there. Would you need a pastor? And, you know, trying to put yourself in a situation. Yeah. So I think what's good about this is you're waiting. You're not you're not trying to, to, to put yourself out there. So I don't know. What What is your experience? Do you, were you hoping to share any of that, like, as a pastor's kid? Like, any more about, like, you know, you said why are we moving? Like, did you feel, I mean, are you, excuse me, are you like, do you have any PTSD from that or? (laughs) No, no. And that's why I never really cared all that much. How long was your dad in the same spot? The one there. So they're moving in like a month. 
mm-hmm. and they were there for like 18 years. Oh, so it was like basically oh, I grew up there yeah. and it was nice because I had friends that lived in town, yeah. you know, in a town of a hundred people, there happened to be a couple guys my age, That's you great. know, that lived like a couple blocks away. That's so so good. it was great. And yeah, he'd get a call and it was just like, well, we're not going there because why would we, you know, and I, I never even worried about it. That's good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's going to be one of the things that, that that still keeps me up at night is like, what have I done to my kids? You know, moving them all over the place, right? They've seemed to be pretty fine and they're happy. We've got a lot of family around here. Yeah. But, you know, the disruptions that they've had. And so I think that's a it's a real challenge. It's something I, I it's, uh, don't know the answer to. Yeah. Oh, your kids are great. They are they are well adjusted. They're fine. Look, Matt turned out all right. Yeah. He's a pastor's kid. We're good. Yeah. But but it is a I think the other thing that that it also can lend is the grass is greener. Mm-hmm. And in every place, and Emily and I have both said this, like every place has got something good and something bad. Like Orlando's mm-hmm. great, you got the beach, but you know, you fire ants or whatever, you know, like yeah. but the other <laughs> ministries aspects of it too. And and Winona was great. Uh but there was these issues, and now uh, Franklin Milwaukee is great, but they have these issues. So every place, like, oh, guess what? Jesus hasn't returned yet, and you yeah, know, right, right. he isn't. So this isn't this isn't the final destination. So, but I think yeah. you're bringing up a, a really good topic, and I think this was maybe to bring it back historically. Like Martin Luther was one who really tried to focus more on the royal priesthood, and what he meant was like everybody's calling, the calling of a mother the calling of a father, the calling of a, an employee. He wanted people to see themselves as royal priests, and that's something I think we've forgotten in the modern-day church that he had emphasized a lot. Yeah. Well, and if I can interject quick on that, too, because I, I think that um, there seems to be— and I, I was not raised Wells, um, but I've been well, Wells for, I guess— 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've noticed is that it seems like there's, there is a kind of a push from, from parents, uh, to their kids to be pastors and teachers. Right. And, and that's good. We need these people. Um, but I think that there is like, you can do God's work and you can be a light in the world and, and in a, in an engineering job right. or as an attorney yeah. or as a janitor or as a, you know, wherever you are, you can do it. You don't have to be a pastor or a teacher to be a light in the world. Like, so, and I, and listen, some people just simply aren't good at being pastors or teachers. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you know, like some people just aren't good at it. So why would you, why would you, you know, squash somebody's or squander somebody's gifts and put them in a place where they can't fully excel just because it's kind of got this connotation that it's going to be automatically a servant, you know, a serving role. Yeah. Um, I think you can do that anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We need them all. Luther's famous line was like, God milks the cows through the milkmaids. It's like, so God's doing his work through these yeah. people. Yes. And, and I thought that was, that's a great way to, to talk about it. Right. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. But is that, is, you know, back to kind of what you're saying before is that sometimes, encouraging even pressuring and almost elevating the ministry come from a place of fear also um desperation of we need more pastors Mm. uh or does it come from a hey i see these gifts in you 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 seem to be a person who could do this and i would hope that that's more of how it happens yeah yeah all right so here's another thing that's tied in that i was talking about yesterday 
um, like how much, so how much do you think the, the Holy Spirit is acting in your life? Like when people say things like, oh, this, I feel like the Spirit of God is leading me. Yeah. Because um, I think there's a really easy answer, which is to say, well, God gave us all of our gifts individually. So when we're using those gifts, we're doing his will. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the word of God is living and active and God himself is living and active. So I don't like to, I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't think that's a complete answer to just say like God gave you these gifts and then gave you wings to fly. Mm-hmm. And now whenever you're, you're using that compass, he gave you, you're doing his will. It's like, well, he can intervene, can't he? Mm-hmm. That's good. I love your deep questions, right? It It's interesting that the word for spirit in Hebrew is ruach, which is breath or, or wind. And, and so that kind of gives you an image of how, uh, and, and in the Nicene Creed too, it, it talks about the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. And so wherever the Holy Spirit is, he's bringing things to life. The second verse of the Bible, the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, this, this life-giving breath. And so it's, and, and Jesus said in, in John chapter three, the wind blows where it is and we don't know where it comes from, where it's going. So it is with the spirits. So I guess sometimes we don't really know, but in Galatians it says, but there's the fruit of the spirit. So you can see the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. He's and reading s- off of a poster <laughs> in the office. He doesn't know that verse by heart. You don't remember heart. those. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I think, that's maybe, but you are right. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul says there is one spirit, but there's lots of gifts. And the one spirit has given all of these gifts and, and loves diversity. So how, do, I mean, back to your original question, how do you know when the Holy Spirit is working in your life? I think you don't always know. You see some fruit and sometimes even that's hidden from you because, man, how easy is that to flip this arrogant switch on? Like mm-hmm. the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit told me the Holy Spirit's doing this. I'm, you know, God is working through me. Like I think yeah. he intentionally keeps himself hidden. Mm. Uh, but we pray for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says every time you pray for the Holy Spirit, he'll give it to you. So I don't know what you think, Annie. No, I'm, I agree with that. I think it's easy to let pride slip in yeah. there, you know. But I'm just thinking about like from a call perspective, because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you prepare the letter for the whole congregation. You say, well, I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to do this. Oh, like, right, no. right. Well, you know, that's really great if it doesn't work out because it's God's fault now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And 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 I there there is there is some confidence in even bad decisions, God's at work, right? right. That God has got you where he wants you, that God is gonna get you through this. So you you you, you can't have the confidence. I think there's some tension there. Yeah, we make our choices. Sometimes we need to hear different things, though. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. if I did make a bad choice, I need to call that out and and say, I, I decided to do this or that because of my selfishness or my own self-centeredness, and I called it the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm so depressed because I made a bad decision, and I think I've screwed everything up, nothing could ever work, and then I need to hear the good news that that. God knew, Psalm 139, God knew all the days of your life before one came to be, and he's chosen the different places that you need to be. So I think it depends on uh, ancient, early Christians would call pastors doctors of souls, and, and, and they were supposed to hand these, almost like handing medicine out, 
Sometimes I need to hear, you really screwed this up, you need to repent. That wasn't the Holy Spirit, that was your arrogance. And sometimes you need to hear, uh, God still got you, nothing can separate you from his love. So mm-hmm. it's different t- mm-hmm. different times. So, I mean, so is it just fair to say, like, when you get a call, I mean, you just, you decide, you make the decision, <laughs> and then you just, you know, well, it's like, well, God's either, God's got it either way. And so I have faith in the Holy Spirit. And so it's not like he visited me and like put me in a trance or something, right? And was right. like, take, you Although know. you had a dream. <laughs> I have a dream, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was bizarre. It's like, oh, you better take the call, right? But it's yeah. like. No, I'm just going to do it, and I think it's going to work out because he promises it will. Yeah, I mean, I think th- that's okay. You know, And you could even talk about the Holy Spirit, but then I think it can be encouraging to say, just like the Holy Spirit's called all of you guys here too, you know, mm-hmm. you know to, mm-hmm. to, to recognize that pastors or teachers or ministers or whatever don't have, like, more access to the Holy Spirit than anyone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a really good discussion. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's really important that you bring this up. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's what I got on the topic anyway. Yeah. I think we want to keep talking about some of these bigger questions also about, you know, we mentioned the Waukesha tragedy. We're going to keep talking about tragedy and how you, and evil, and, and, and why would a good God allow this? You know, there'll be something we're going to bring up in the future. And and give us your feedback as to what are other things that you want us to talk about. But I'm I'm just having a lot of fun and love talking with you guys. So same, ditto. All right, peace are we out. good? All yep. right, I'm good. See ya. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email b sadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B s a d l e r at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.